episode 321 of Retro Encounter, the RPG fan weekly podcast of many topics, and it's finally time, everyone. It's finally time after years and years of joking and messing around and playing and talking about it. We are finally doing Skies of Arcadia on Retro Encounter. We're going to be doing this for the next two weeks. It won the episode 2300 poll back last summer, summer 2021. If you remember that far back, by a landslide, because of course it did. Of course it did. I felt a bit mean bringing it on, but it was about time we talked about it. I was never going to get it on because we'll get into Sega history and stuff like that. But I have three wonderful people joining me for this episode. I have Audra Bowling. Hello. Wes Iliff. Hey, everybody. And Zach Wilkerson. Wait, I'm confused. Are you excited? Uh, no. Why would I be excited? It's really, <laughs> oh, I mean, everybody knows. It, it kind of, it's a kind of a bit of a joke, really. Like, everybody knows I love this game, and I bring it up regularly, both on the site and off the site. Yeah, I mean, I'll go into specifics in a bit, but really, like... I grew up with Sega Systems as a kid, so like the Dreamcast was one of the best games consoles I really, not not the first I ever had, but it was one of the first ones I had. So I was always really happy like that I got a chance to play it pretty early on because um, we know now and the big joke about it is, is look how expensive it is on GameCube and it's like ridiculous, but fortunately all four of us have got a way to play it. Um, I think we're all playing the Legends version, is that correct? Yes, I am. Sure is. I am indeed. Perfect, perfect. Yep. So the Legends version really just adds a couple of pretty big side quests on top of the original. Um, The Dreamcast version had some exclusive mini games on the VMU um, with uh, one of your crewmates that you get later on. um, And also has allows you to get some extra items um but the gamecube version adds uh bounties and it adds some extra discoveries and an entire secret boss which we'll probably touch on more next episode because we've got some we've got quite a lot to go through in this first half and we're basically going to span the whole from the beginning the whole time you've got the little jack to the claudia so three different ships basically um but yeah um i wanted to ask first of all like i don't think we're all first timers are we so i know wes from a rhythm encounter we were on last year i believe you've played this before at least how did you get into skies or sega in general for rpgs so i had a i've been a, a sega life forever since the genesis my brother bought an snes so i got a genesis played fantasy star 4 and shining force and all those so when dreamcast came out snapped that one up too um and th- it was the reason that I actually picked this up is because it came in, out on the same day as Grandia 2 mm-hmm. um, in uh, in America, at least. Um, and I picked them both up because I was excited for for the sequel to Grandia after having played that on PS1. Um, and I actually started playing Grandia 2 first. I, I was split on which one to start. So I played that, loved it going all the way through. And then I just got this wild hair. Let's see what this other one's like. Just a few days later, popped it in. It didn't leave my Dreamcast for months after that point. <laughs> um, just became quickly one of my favorite RPGs of all time. But I was past due for a replay, so this was a perfect excuse to kind of dive back in with more adult eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much in the same boat there as you. Um, Zach, what about you with Sega? Because we haven't covered tons of Sega on the podcast, so I don't really know how much you've experienced Sega RPGs and Skies in general, I guess. Uh, so, uh, Scott, I mean, I, I didn't, I, I, my stepbrother owned Genesis for a little while while I was growing up, but like he didn't play RPGs. Um, I owned a Dreamcast, 
Um, so I have no excuse for not having played Skies of Arcadia until now. I also owned a GameCube, and I still hadn't played it until now. Um, but I bought a copy of Skies of Arcadia, and like in the first town, I got like lost, and I don't know, I just fell off of it, and then it just never happened. And so obviously, I've been hearing you talk about this game since well before I joined the site, and obviously I've heard you talk about it a lot since I've joined the site, and now this is my first time through. So yeah. Awesome. And Audra, what about you? What about Sega history and Skies? Well, I did have a Genesis for a little while, actually around the time Dreamcast came out. It mm-hmm. was a hand-me-down from a cousin. <laughs> but I didn't play RPGs really on it. And I started, my first RPG was actually Final Fantasy VII, Ooh, probably okay. on the PlayStation. And I didn't get a GameCube, so it wasn't until actually everyone on RPG Fan was talking about Skies of Arcadia and especially you about how much you loved it, that I was curious enough to borrow a copy from Solusi, actually. Oh, yes, nice I remember. Him. Yeah, I remember him doing that. Yes, um, yeah, very generous of him because, yeah, the GameCube version goes, I think, $300 pretty regularly. I know where I live, I've seen it for about $250. Um, yeah, pounds. it's pretty pricey. <laughs> yeah, so we're pretty lucky we all have a way of getting it. Um, for me, I guess, I don't know whether I need to go into this, but I will anyway. Um, yeah, I pretty much played it for as soon as it came out. Um, again, like the Mega Drive, I will. That's going to be fun to get mixed up with Genesis, as always. Um, that was the very first console I really had. Um, but again, like you all, I didn't really play RPGs on it, which is kind of ridiculous because we didn't get any Super Nintendo RPGs, but we got literally every single Sega Genesis Master Mega Drive RPG, like Fantasy Star, Shining Force, all of that. And I didn't touch any of them. And Skies and Grandia 2 were the first two Sega RPGs I really played. Um, and I remember walking in on my mum playing Skies of Arcadia as a kid, and I was like, oh, this looks very different to anything else I've ever seen. And within months I was playing it, and over the last 21 years I've played it 10 times so this is an 11th playthrough roughly <laughs> um oh, i'm no oh. i'm not as far as anyone else though because i cheated for the first half i watched somebody else here play most of it um and my memory of it's pretty good so yeah i i'm just really excited to get further into it and talk about it because this is the first time i've replayed it in six years i want to say 2016 seems right um so yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how my opinions have shifted as I've shifted over the last six years. Um, but yeah, we're going to dive right in and just kind of take things beat by beat, I think. Um, so really, Skies opens with a bit of a bang. It doesn't really wait to throw you into the deep end, and it throws you straight into a dungeon right away. And the very first section of the game is on the one of the Valoran Armada ships with one of the Admirals Alfonso. Um but from here all the way to Sailor's Island, what were people's first impressions, whether this is your like first time through or whether, have you remember how you felt the first time you played it? Well, I thought it actually, the opening was pretty grand and epic. It really kind of sucks you in. It does, yeah, because it throws you like Fina right out there, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was very much intrigued by the opening. <laughs> I think it does a good job of setting up the blue rogues in general as this like Robin Hood-esque group of people um, but yeah it's it's not slow it slows down a little bit when you get to Shrine Island but yeah for sure I think the opening kind of hits you with a bang 
I think maybe one of my favorite things about it is how quickly you realize that the boss music is dynamic because oh. you're likely to take a couple of big hits from that first boss. And oh, oh, that's such a satisfying feeling when you like get the boss down low enough, you kick off a heel and the super heroic music starts booming. And you're like, oh, oh, I'm feeling this. Right, right. I can't think of an earlier example of dynamic music in an RPG. I'm sure someone will have an example or someone listening will email and shout at me about it. But this is like the first game I remember playing where the music changes depending on the battle situation or when you're on the world map, obviously like the ship music changes depending on what moon you're under. Um, but yeah, it's really unique. Not many games do it like near does it obviously. Um, no, I'm not going to remember any of them, but I totally know there's a few. <laughs> there are tons of them. Yeah. Um, Zach, haven't heard from you yet. What about the opening and, I, I mean, I, I I think that it is uh, compelling from the jump, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think I can't think of anything before Skies of Arcadia that does dynamic battle music, and actually, I think it's pretty likely that there wasn't anything prior to this that did it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, I like that the very first boss. And we'll talk about this. Like the thing I like about this game the most is uh, is the combat. Um, and I think that the fact that you're going to hear that dynamic music with some regularity, cause the game's not like incredibly hard or anything, but like it, it can push you at times. And I, I like that, um, that it pushes you early on. Mm, yeah. I, I, when, yeah, it's not too hard. I think if you know what you're doing for sure. Um, I know the first couple of times I played it, I struggled on certain things, but yeah, I think this does a really good job of like kicking you off, um, like kickstarting and getting you going. Um, but basically what's happening in this opening, so I kind of just jumped into it without like explaining it, is that there's this girl, Fina, who's running away from the Armada and they capture her. And then the Blue Rogues, headed by Vice and Ica and their father, Dine, on the Albatross, they plunder Valorant ships for goods to give to the people they live with or share with anyone so like i said robin hood is basically what they are it's just a big group of robin hood people with too much idealism for their own good sometimes um but they essentially go on here find this girl and because they do good as they have to rescue her and they do that and skies is not big on plot <laughs> it's very much a it's very classic in terms of like you know save the girl go say look at the crystals and things like that which i'll get into that's kind of the bulk of the game um it's not for a while you find out that fina is actually on a mission to collect these things called moon crystals which are hidden across many of the kingdoms across the world of arcadia um but it certainly sets the tone for these characters and i think vice and ike are really i think vice Ica and fina are a really good trio and funny that it comes out the same time as grandia because it does the grandia party system thing where you've got like two or three constant members and then the last one swaps out every so often which i think is cool because it gives everyone a bit of a um action but yeah i mean in the game like looks like grandia too which I, it makes sense like uh, that it looks like grandia too um mm -hmm. but like um like the, the visual style is so striking on that front and um Ica, Ika's amazing. Can we just like can we like can we spend like a moment just to talk about how incredible Ika is in this game? Oh, she's because she's great. incredible. I was we could all agree on this. Oh, I love Ika. <laughs> yeah, she's got big boomerang. I love her outfit. I love everything about her. She's like peppy. She's 
just enthusiastic. She's she likes money and everything. She doesn't <laughs> care. She likes money. She's got all these like theories about different places, which mm, stereotypical, you know. But yeah, like it, it, she's just a bundle of joy, I think, and just always excitable. Yeah, I mean, I think that she like the the her like love of money is not even really about like money obviously you know it's it's about like the joy of adventure and i think that um i like that she calls vice um and we'll talk about this i have some criticisms of vice later but i think that of all the characters where like the expressiveness of the faces um are is like so cool in this game Ika is the one where like with those big eyes that she gets sometimes um is the thing that i think is most entertaining about her Mm -hmm. i think it all adds to like there's almost a storybook kind of fairy tale aesthetic to this whole thing where because it's not quite so like plot heavy but it still has you know those really strong characters throughout and and little you know relatively simple morality tales throughout the whole thing um that feeds into the idea of like blue rogues the idea of there being good pirates versus bad pirates it feeds into the you know most of the cast being very wide-eyed optimistic and um not so world worry and when they do run into someone who is they tend to you know turn them over a little bit Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a perfect thing to hit you know the age that it hit me when i was you know pre-teen to teen um it hit that slice of optimism that i hadn't given up yet which was fantastic and it still brings it back a little bit each time i fire it up you know and it's interesting that you say that because i think that one of the reasons that skies of arcadia did not hit for me when i was playing this um was i picked it up like I, right around the time i was playing grandia too uh partially because the reviews on rpg fan for both of these games were incredible um and grandia 2 really hit for me I'm like ryudio like i get you yes you're my kind of guy <laughs> um i i was like past the moment of optimism in my life unfortunately um and so like i think that um coming back to it as an older person um and seeing some like echoes of grandia 1 um you know, like vice and justin i think have a lot in common um makes it um resonate for me better than it maybe would have when i was you know I don't know, 15 of the first time I was trying to play this game. So, yeah. Okay. I do like the sense of adventure that it kind of kindles in you. And just this hope, there's a little bit of hopefulness to it that I'm not sure if I would have gotten it when I, when it first released, if I'd played it, but I get it now and I really like it. Mm, I think it stood out to me as a kid. It felt different, like, it, it certainly wasn't a surprise surprise it actually wasn't my favorite game for a while um but like because i was like I, I wanted more of a story about it like i kind of got final fantasy IX's like morality thing a little bit better and that had more of a serious angle to it whereas this was just kind of like oh we're just going on an adventure kind of thing and as like a kid what was i like seven or eight years old when this came out like i don't know like i loved it but also was kind of just like oh yeah this is just light relief and then like i kept coming back to it and I couldn't really figure out why until like maybe I was in my late teens, maybe nearly 20, and was like, oh, you really like this for some, like, this is why you like it, because it gives you a little bit of something that you want and a little bit of something that you appreciate. And um, it's not really something I realized that I enjoyed a lot until I was slightly older and was like, oh, yeah, you know what? You actually do like really positive things you're not just miserable you're not miserable preteen or post-teen anymore or young adult or anything like that like you actually like stuff like this um 
but yeah it's interesting that everybody pointed that out because i think it varies person to person um it's just funny because like as a kid you always just want to go on adventures and stuff like that and like i'm not sure how grandia one would have hit as a kid either and i guess of the same ilk lunar i suppose which i played uh silver star story complete last year and that kind of has a similar like adventurous like simple cartoony i say cartoony feeling but that's kind of what it is isn't it like just like saturday morning cartoon fun going on adventures and stuff that ad- sense of adventure is really heightened just because the sense of exploration in this game is like i'm not sure any rpg has matched it as much as i've played the idea of like your main mode of transportation is airship. You're in this big open world. There are places you can't pass because your ship isn't good enough to navigate the horrible winds of this place or what have you. Um, and you're constantly finding these discoveries. And if you find them quicker, you can make more money by being the first person in the world to discover some weird, you know, rock formation or ancient <laughs> ruins or something. All of yeah, it really makes that sense of guild. adventure. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes you feel like an actual explorer. <laughs> and like you're on a proper adventure yeah like i think to jump into ships and actually the world map like i think my god this is i mean we'll talk about it more next week especially because really like the the really cool thing about the map is is like you start off with such a tiny little part of it which like you do with all rpgs but because you're traversing the world on an airship and not just walking around a flat like pixelated island or series of islands it's like you're genuinely like uncovering a lot of stuff and in the more and more you get the bigger the map gets and the more uncovered it gets because i think generally i'm certainly thinking of final fantasy 7 and 9 like you at least get like the main continent don't you but like with skies it's smudged out and the further along you get across the map the more of it you can see um so you can only see like the areas you've touched um but that would that would be a steam achievement wouldn't it Go and fill in the entire <laughs> map. <laughs> stop, stop wishing for things, Alana. I mean, like, Sega <laughs> should get me to write all the achievements. It's fine. I'll make some real <laughs> bastardly ones in there for sure. Um, but, like, yeah, I think that Arcadia is a world map. And, again, as we see more and more of it, I think we'll dig into it, is just kind of amazing. Like, it just really... Every, every inch of this game, like, drips in adventure and drips in... Mm-hmm nice nice piracy which is not a thing like pirates. <laughs> i love pirates pirates are bad but pirates fictional pirates are cool mostly sometimes <laughs> yes, it's maybe a bit thief. romanticized <laughs> yes honorable thief is unfortunately my weakness and maybe my favorite trope or like character to archetype so yeah i know yeah. Uh- <laughs> Um, I, I, and I think that uh, one of the things that I think is impressive about this game too, is that like, sure, it's like playing with the same ideas of like, how do you make a game like this linear? Because like you're in an airship and how do you deal with that? And a game is not, I mean, it's, it's less linear than like most games would have been, especially like Final Fantasy X came out around the same time. You know what I mean? Like to to get an interesting point of comparison. Mm -hmm. Um, but the way they make the airship exploration feel satisfying and interesting despite the intense encounter rate even on gamecube um (laughs) oh yes and the way that it still feels natural like like when you get to those rock formations like oh yeah i can't pass that and like when you can it feels so good um and so i think that it is 
remarkable that they don't make it feel super annoying that you can't really explore when you need to. And like, they still give you enough, like those discoveries Wes was talking about, I think are really cool. Um, that that's something that is built in, even though I, I somehow can't find any of them. But anyway, I, I think, I think it's a cool thing. I always get a little excited when I find one. <laughs> mm, there are some really horrible ones. Again, we'll go over, we'll touch on that way more next week. Cause I think there's some really like, there's some really famous ones that are kind of like, there's moving discoveries. They're not all static. <laughs> some of them follow a path and some of those paths stretch the entire width of the world. So it's, it's kind of interesting um but yeah i think yeah it's just it's just brilliant i think that like i think the reason i love this game so much mostly is because of the world map the combat's brilliant and i love other things um i feel like i'm like dashing ahead to like final thoughts already but i guess i'm gonna have to rein myself in a little bit because you know this is like turn number 11 um but yeah like i think this is what makes the game special and the fact that you can already feel that as you progress through so early on is great um but you did bring up encounter rate and i think it's a good time to bring up encounter rate and maybe bounce between combat before we dive too much into the actual like point by point story um yeah the encounter rate's pretty bad isn't it i'd forgotten how bad it was even on dream on gamecube yeah it's rough (laughs) yeah it's it's probably my least favorite part of it (laughs) it's it's most people's least favorite part of it um like they've made it better in dungeons but left it the same in like air air traversal or world map traversal just like the worst thing to do because the air traversal is the fun part i'm like yeah. why are you ruining my fun exactly exactly there are ways around it later on in the second half of the game um when you like get even more expanded travel but yeah there are some particular areas like the south ocean the path between um nasa and ixataka as you're going against the strong currents um and some of those some of those enemies can cast instant death and it's quite often once every 10 seconds you'll get attacked by a group of them so it's like oh boy and i definitely used to wipe there all the time as a kid so i used to get my mum to do it for me there you go that's uh that's my that's me handing in my like little card when i was a kid just like nope never doing that but alana's not a real gamer uh, I'd never want to Take be a real firm. gamer, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, the combat is really pretty, it, I'd say it's pretty standard, but I think it does some really clever things. And actually to like work off of something you were saying earlier about the expressiveness of the game, Zach, I think like another reason this game feels as good as it does is that it manages to channel like a lot of the, because I, I, when I think of expressive like characters, I'm thinking of like the sprites from Final Fantasy VI, like when Gao or like some other character is surprised and their eyes like pop out and they like wiggle their hands and things like that. And you're like, oh, this is the mood. Because Sky's like, games were getting voice acting at this point. Like Grandia 2 had full voice acting, basically. Like it had a pretty well-known cast of anime voice actors and, uh, you know, Final Fantasy X, which came out a year later, was also fully voiced. It was becoming more common. And the Dreamcast was a pretty powerful console. Like, it was more powerful than the N64 and the PlayStation 1. And I think it might have been more powerful than the PS2 to a degree. Um, so the fact that Skies doesn't have full voice acting, it just has these, like, little voice clips of people just going, ah, ah, and stuff like that. It's, like, um, it's quite fun. Um, but I think the combat as well, like, really really takes the essence of like turn-based rpgs and like really makes it more interesting but it does it with a 3d space as well um 
But yeah, I'm interested to hear what people like about the combat so far in the first half of the game. I mean, for me, the combat's the best part of the game. Um, <laughs> I love it. Um, I, I love that. Um, and, and I feel bad because like the last time I podcasted with Wes about a one individual game, it was Nocturne. And I like the combat here so much better um, because it gives you the opportunity to, um, especially with like the optional fights, um, to like really engage in what the game has to offer you. Um, I love that like you have the color matching, uh, which is not something they ever explained to you, but uh, luckily Alana explained it to me uh, very effectively. Um, and like the the way that um, you have like multiple different meters and you're like managing different resources at different times. Um, I do think that items are maybe a little too easy to get your hands on. And so like if they were harder, the game would be a little tougher. But um, like the con- like the turn-based element of it, um i think is fantastic i think that the challenge if you know how to break it you can break it um Mm -hmm. and i love that but otherwise like it all like like it's like a little bit dragon quest um a little bit i don't know what other games but like it it feels it feels good to engage with and it feels honest to engage with and i don't feel like it's ever cheap but like i feel like it does have a degree of difficulty and mastery that um is exactly what I want from turn-based combat. I think it's, I just think it's excellent in this game. The instant death enemies, I actually really studied up on my magic spells there. Ooh. (laughs) Which I quite had a fun time using, experimenting with what ended up working on them. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, because like the first couple of times I played the game, I didn't really utilize the magic very much because like, you know, super moves are the best thing. So like the multi-management thing that you were talking about, Zach, like, so every character's got an MP pool um, for people who don't know. Um, and, but you've also got like a shared SP bar or a spirit bar, um, spirit points bar. And um, spirit points are used to cast magic and super moves. But every spell in the game only costs one MP. But say you want to cast a cure spell, um, it'll cost one MP, but it'll cost two SP or five SP or something like that. So yeah, you have to like manage that. You're like, do I want to do Cutlass Fury next round or do I want to cure up, put Increm on and then spend the next time like turn focusing with everybody or something like that? Um, it does add a really interesting wrinkle. But yeah, like you can really break the game if you just use Increm and a lot. <laughs> <laughs> or if you get a lot of moonberries early <laughs> i can't believe how many moonberries you got in like one evening i was like just yeah i think i got like four from like random battles it was amazing yeah, <laughs> yeah you got all the best stuff yeah and that's really one of the easiest ways to break the game is like if you know how to distribute those moonberries like you really just want to throw them onto Ica to start off with and then throw them all onto vice and then that's kind of it really um i would give um drachma who we haven't talked about yet but we will in a bit um some because he gets a free spirit charge which costs no sp but gives you 10 sp so that's pretty good need to distribute some moonberries mm-hmm. <laughs> always got a few sitting around yeah <laughs> I, I think my this is gonna sound shallow but my favorite and least favorite parts of combat are all visual um, because like one of my favorite things, no matter how good that management is, which it is, as, as you said, how, how cool and flashy the super moves are, everything like that. Nothing will compare to the fact that like your enemy, your enemies and your party members mix it up when you're not controlling them. Like they're actually fighting each other, kind of swinging and blocking and I keeping activity that. in the background. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fun. It's, it's something I hadn't seen in many games before. And then 
better still, there are multiple animations for each of your characters. So like they have a long range and a short range attack. So wherever they've just ambient moved, you'll get different attack animations based on, you know, how close they are to the enemy. Are they going to run up or, you know, they're just going to throw out something from where they are. And Drachma's like, Grapple hook gauntlet punch is just phenomenal. <laughs> the um, noise Drachma, it makes as well. best character, can confirm. <laughs> That's not what you said a minute ago, but like... <laughs> well, Ike is great too, but Drachma, I mean, come on. Come on. <laughs> but it, unfortunately, the visuals are also kind of the worst point for me, because it has that color system where yep. you change your weapons to match different colors, um, and those have, you know, different efficacy against enemies yeah. of different colors. Now... Some of those are really hard to tell apart for yeah. a colorblind kid like me. To me, yeah, yeah, blue it's looks a, green. It's a really light cyan, isn't it? So it probably looks very similar to like the really neon green. So yeah, I yeah, green, totally. yellow, and blue might as well be the same color for me. So I, you know, every once in a while, I'll have to like call over to my spouse and say, "Hey, what color is am I on right now? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I really need to learn some healing skills right now." <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, and, like, what's really annoying about it is, like, obviously, characters like Vice and Ica and Fina, it's pretty easy to tell on those what. Well, it's easier to tell on their weapons. And Enrique, who is the last party member who doesn't really make an appearance until next week, um, uh, you can tell on their weapons because they're like blades or, you know, small space blob or boomerang. And it's relatively easy to say. But, like, drachma about 50 percent of drachma's weapons the color is like hidden around the back so you have to turn the camera and then it's also like this tiny little bit and i'm always just like even i'm like come on what is this like and you can also tell by looking at a character's portrait but again because it's only like the outline it's so difficult to tell at times um and gilda is another one as well because obviously it's just the barrel of his guns and again i can't see most of those because he likes holding them behind him and i'm like come on it's like extra effort i don't want to turn the camera just to like look at that but i think it's a cool system and yeah the game doesn't do a great job of explaining the color system or like you know the easiest thing they could have done is put different symbols on each of them or something like that um especially on like vice's swords like you can literally see the entire blade so why not just be like green is the one circle no green would be two circles so do it like you know one two three four five six depending on how many symbols there are on the spell um but yeah it, it's a pain in the backside and some of the elemental opposites do not make sense to me at all <laughs> i have to look it up every time like Yellow and silver I kind of get because it's like light. And, I, I've been playing Final Fantasy and Pokemon for too long. So my brain immediately goes to logic and I'm like, oh, yeah, do you know what? Fire is good against ice, but ice is not good against fire. And then it's like, nope, they're both good against each other. And I'm like, wait, why? Like, why would that make sense? And things like wind and water being good against grass or vice versa. And yeah, it, it, it doesn't do a brilliant job of explaining that. Um, I kind of play it blind a lot of the time with that. <laughs> you don't need to do it. It's a bit of a boost. And obviously, like, the main reason you want to do it is to learn your magic spells, Um, I would say. So as long as you're, like, balancing, like, green magic is probably the most important, then red, then... And then everybody learns magic at different rates as well. So, like, Ica's best at learning fire magic and green magic. Vice is really good at fire magic. Enrique is really good at yellow. And Fina is really good at silver, obviously. Um, and good at all of them. Drachma's got the lowest growth rate because he doesn't really use magic too much. Um, 
but yeah you don't really need to engage in the system it just makes things a tad easier and especially if you like double art with an income and stuff um it really helps especially for those super bosses that's where you do probably need to use uh, it yeah a little bit more um but yeah the combat's good um it's just it's easy to get into a rhythm and everybody hates loopers am i right or i mean i like them actually i don't know why i'm asking that question they're cute i hate them because they hit hard and you can't hit them and the and the reward yeah, the isn't even that good all the time yeah yeah, yeah they are yeah they it's are. like a metal slime without the experience dump Ex- right exactly. it's like a metal slime with all of the frustration and none of the reward you get bonus magic points though you eh, get- not enough not that many that's true. You don't get like a hundred. They're also not as hard to kill, and they come up way more, way more often. I get it. It's just annoying. <laughs> We're gonna swords them to death. That's what I do. When you can do that every turn, that's a that's a good way around it. Um, but yeah, there's another aspect to combat which we'll touch on a little bit later. Um, but obviously we've danced around all of the characters. We'll probably talk more about Gilda towards the end of today or the next episode, but really the core four that we have for most of this half are Vice, who is Dine's son. He wants to become a pirate and get his own ship. Ike is his best friend. Fina is this girl from a mysterious world who is, or a mysterious place, and she doesn't really know culture. She's like, what's money? How do you pay for things? Um, And she's like trying to trying to get all the moon crystals and then you've got drachma who's just a fisherman um with a metal arm which is cool as hell um but yeah what do we think of this like core cast at the moment i like them generally i mean drachma's awesome everybody loves drachma i'm glad someone's <laughs> on I'm... my side <laughs> i like um i can fina too uh, i'm curious about people's thoughts on vice <laughs> no. i want to get this so yeah i mean i like vice a lot and i like this but there are things that he does and i'm just like come on dude like there's valor <laughs> when you had a valor for the first time and you end up in the lower city and he's like spouting nonsense to the like these poor kids it's like dude have some self-awareness like which i'd never really noticed until i'd sat down and watched that play for the record like and i was like oh geez like you're right actually like yeah, I mean, I, I, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, I suppose. But like um, that whole sequence in Valor was just, I thought, just just atrocious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because like every single person in Valor doesn't talk about anything except for the fact that they're poor. I'm like, oh, it's a video game or fiction that like is defining people by the thing that sucks about their life. Um, I know a lot of poor people in my life, and they generally don't talk about the fact that they're poor. So congratulations, game. Um, you suck. Um, but the bigger <laughs> issue I had, honestly, was that like at some point some kid is talking to him. It's like it's like your first crew member, I think, later. Um uh-huh. about like how like his like parents died or something. I don't remember exactly what it was, and like how like things are hard. And and Vice is just like, you know, I just like have like a positive attitude about it, and then everything's better. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Thank you, Donald Trump. I mean, like, stop. Like, I was like, it was ridiculous to me. I, I mean, like, like the idea, like, that Vice just walks through, like, this totally horrific area. And he's just like, you know, a positive attitude will make everything better. I'm like, I have never heard some more pull yourself up by your bootstraps nonsense in yeah. a video game ever. Um, Thanks, and I'm, I'm like, cured. exactly. <laughs> uh, thank you fun. for telling me to have a better attitude about the fact that I have no money and I can't eat food. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty horrific to me but um and he he, he does it 
you know, throughout the game. But I, I appreciate what the game is trying to do, at least in terms mm-hmm. uh, in what they're trying to do with Vice about the nature of optimism. And, and at the time, in particular, when like every protagonist was like a, an emo tryhard, like I, I think that they did a nice job of attempting it like something like more positive and a more positive spin. And it matches the tone of the game. Like the whole problem with the game in general is that it ignores why people suffer. Um, And so that is a major issue for me. I appreciate that it's trying to be nice about it, but I think that it misses the mark in pretty offensive ways Mm -hmm. um, at times. And I think Valua is the most, is the most obvious example of that. I would agree with that. Sorry, it's, I was it, not trying to just lecture everyone like a teacher. No, <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't at all. Like, it's really interesting that I didn't really ever consider any of that when I guess, I mean, like I said, it's been six years since I played it. And I didn't ever like that section. I was always a bit like, mm, this is very obvious. Like, you want to, like, show the divide that badly that you just want to, like, throw. And, like, Ika's not even there. So, like, I feel like if Ika was there and she, like, maybe interjected it would be a little bit better which be like not even you know but like yeah i i think it's heavy-handed about it for sure across the game and that's like the most egregious part i think um just like telling some kid whose parents are dead just like "Ah, it's all right like and i'm like yeah vice you know what not the time buddy like just (laughs) just have a moment and yeah i i think I don't think the game is even that interested in showing you how people suffer. Do you know what I mean? Or like why? Or like trying to yeah. think it. I mean, it uses it as a plot point. Yeah. Um, like it uses it as a counterpoint to like, here's what Vice is fighting against. And I get that. And I respect that. Um, but it's um, the way it presents it is troubling. Yeah. I agree now, with that. Counterpoint. Vice has a cool blue shirt with impractical sleeves and he holds one of the swords like a tonto. <laughs> and that's amazing. And he has a glass eye patch that zooms in like a telescope. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's amazing, it, it, right? Oh, yeah, he has some cool things about him. Um, it's weird because I have like an entire like essay on the site about like the optimism this game does. And some of those things that he says to Marco are some of the things I've quoted. Um, and it's like when you take it out of context, like it sounds fine. But like when you put it back into the context, it's like, oh, mm, you can't really do that, Alana. Like don't interpret it like that way. So like it's it's interesting and i kind of hate it for that like i as a person who's read your essay i i I think that um when we're talking about the nature of the game i still respect what it's trying to do i mean like we haven't talked about like the beginning sequence um where i think the title of your essay comes from where he's like on pirate isle um and he's like seeing a sunset um and i think that you can certainly make an argument that um, that is an admirable way to see the world. Um, and I think it is. Um, and he's like also a kid. He's what, 17? I mean, like, I, right, I, yeah. I, teach, <laughs> I, I, teach, I teach these people. And like, if they said that, I would be happy, right? Um, they're always, they, they always hate everything. There's no, there's no nuance or no care or consideration or no acknowledgement. Yeah. Right. There's I, no acknowledgement of the fact that he doesn't know everything. Like, his dad is like a great dude. Um, and like, he obviously had like a nice childhood based on that, at least what we know, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. it's hard for me to see that and not scoff but like that that's like one part of the game you know what i mean like we're talking a lot about something that i don't like but no it's interesting yeah it gave, gave me some more to think about actually but yeah we can talk about drachma then because everyone likes drachma here right yes i mean drachma's freaking great it's nice to have a 
curmudgeonly old man along with your super optimistic group. He's the total opposite of everything else. And he like gives, I, I kind of wish he gave, and maybe I think it does play in a little bit later on for sure. Like Drachma gives like Vice and Ica a little bit, like reins them in a little bit and gives them a little bit more of a like pulling back. Like it feels like Drachma needs to be there, I think. Otherwise, I don't think, I think it would probably get a little bit much. He's a good balance. He is a very good balance. And it's kind of sad. Like he's like he's got like an entire backstory, which I know, Audrey, you're not quite there yet, but like after Ixataka, you find out some stuff about like why he's got the metal arm. And obviously Drachma is chasing after this big whale called Ragnum. Um definitely um Moby Dick style, I'm sure. Um, but like um he's very, very, very doggedly chasing after that and then just kind of ends up helping you. Um, but you do get a yeah. really nice cannon on the top of your ship for that. <laughs> I mean, I think that this whole game, and again, that's one of the reasons why I feel bad, like, taking shots at the way that it um, deals with poor people in particular. Um, but this whole game deals with tropes, right? And I think that uh, Drachma is certainly a trope that we've seen a thousand times or on back to, you know, uh, the grumpy old man who has a heart of gold, right? right. Um, but I do think that they do a really good job of presenting him mm-hmm. realistically. Like, he leaves your party and comes back to your party, leaves your party and comes back to your party. <laughs> and I and I, and I like the way that they use gameplay and, like, the nature of him coming and going to sort of make you feel who he is and what he is and what he's about. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that... I, I'm a, uh, th- we, you talked earlier about your favorite trope being the honorable thief. Mine is definitely the grumpy old man with the heart of gold. Mm. <laughs> um, yep. Maybe because my students describe me that way all the time. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I just like uh, the way that he's presented. And I like that he, you know, at, at, towards the end of our cut point here, actually just leaves you to go pursue the thing. Like his obsession is still there. Um, and um, he hits hard in combat, which I love. Give me a guy who hits like a truck, and I'm always going to be happy with that character. Um, I, I think he's, I think he's excellent, and he's and his SP boosting move is just mix that with Pirates Wrath a little too early, and you break the game for a number of oh, fights. You really do. <laughs> that was a good, good tip. Yeah, you really do. Yeah, it's the second super move, so you just need like one and two moon warriors to get there so it should be pretty good to get um yeah drachma's like entire story with his son is really it's really really well done um i think and i don't we'll go into it a bit more next week i think so i don't want to like spoil it um but yeah the way he like comes and goes i used to find that so annoying as a kid i'm just like come on why can't you just stay and now i'm just like oh there you go again and like it's kind of sad when he goes because like obviously everyone's worried about him um and you know you'll get you'll get split up basically for reasons like you end up on an abandoned island which is we'll talk about that in a bit um and yeah you don't know where he is and whether you find him or not i don't know maybe you do of course i know but like you know um yeah he just he just balances it out really well and he's a real like amidst all of the other tropey characters like um i feel like drachma feels like the most realistically portrayed um for sure um i think he's fun um but I know we're darting around a little bit, so probably should move on. And I don't want to focus on Valor too much apart from what the hell do they keep in their catacombs? For God's sake, like under the execution pit, this like gelatinous blob. And then like, oh, I don't want to focus on that. But yeah. Um. So 
we're gonna like power through a little bit so obviously you go through Valua uh, you go for the upper city as well and then you encounter Galcian, who is essentially the main antagonist of the game the big bad the kind of I have a big sword kind of thing um follows you you get to jump on top of a train to rescue Fina because Fina's been kidnapped by the Valoran Armada at this point you're in Pirate Isle gets attacked while you're on Shrine Island trying to get a Moonstone to power up your ship um, and a bunch of your crew, a bunch of your family get kidnapped basically or a bunch of the Albatross's crew and Fina and Galcian in particular wants Fina because of who she is and because she has knowledge of the Moon Crystals and as it turns out somebody else that was with Galcian knows who Fina is um, you get her back and she tells you her mission and it's like okay we're gonna go get the moon crystals we're gonna go and do that and that's like vice's opportunity to go like right i finally get to explore the world and discover the world so the first half of the game has you get the green and the red uh, not in that order you go get the red first so you end up going to nasa which is kind of the middle east i guess and maybe we'll touch on <laughs> more stereotypes and tropes here because i feel sometimes this game's depiction of like races are a little bit troubling as well <laughs> yeah they definitely go a bit broad very broad indeed um maramba is the first place you go to um and then drac believes you here um you ride one of these like little camel beasts which i think is really fun and one of the things i really like about um skies which i've kind of brushed over because we haven't really talked about sailors island um is like every town feels like a little bit of a puzzle like there's always things hidden around like you've got treasure chests hidden in rooms you've got like different ladders you can climb this game really likes long ladders it's like it's definitely like near level of ladder in some capacity um and i like the way you can get on top of buildings and open different doors um in maramba in particular but like every every town has got like a different like gimmick so like exotaka has got like all these different raised levels which i get lost in exotaka every time i go there like i'm like which ladder do i go up now and where is sentime and where are the rest of the blue rogues and where's the chief's hut and where's the inn um but it's always really fun especially when you go down the slide in exotaka um but yeah maramba's really cool it's a pretty small town um but you meet this dancer and she after being fawned at obviously because you know it's an anime style rpg you can't not have like a teenage boy look at some girl and be like "Ooh, it's a lady and like yeah well done well done um but yeah you end up going to a place called the temple of Pirin to get the first moon crystal um and the reason you want to get the moon crystals is because valua wants to summon these things called the gigas um and the gigas are like these like giant weapons that were supposed to protect the world but they ended up destroying it um so they called down the reins of destruction to like basically destroy everything and they tore the land asunder basically um so you're going there to prevent that um but Pyrin's a kind of fun dungeon i think um this game is a bit hit and miss with its dungeon design i think, I think some are cool some are really annoying uh, i think Pyrin's on the right side of that some would be cooler with lower encounter rates <laughs> they would yeah yeah it's very indiana jones which is you know again you're plundering a temple kind of thing like it definitely rests on its laurels um but yeah it's pretty fun um some of the bosses here can hit a little hard if you don't know what you're doing but ice spells are definitely your friend 
the dungeon design in this game, I think in general is fine. Um, there are occasionally times where I'm like, and again, I, and I hate to come back to a game that Wes and I played together recently. I, but I think about SMT three with some regularity while playing this game for whatever reason. Um, and I'm like, Oh, I, it kind of reminds me of SMT three, except for, I don't hate my life. Um, like, I, <laughs> I, um, like there are like times in it where I'm like, Oh, I could see like engaging in like normal, puzzle design and sometimes the puzzles are so straightforward i'm like all right come on like there's one towards the end of our uh, uh, of our cut point um that is like a puzzle dungeon but it's like uh, <laughs> not really like, it's like i have to like press some things and there's like two different characters but i think overall the dungeon design here is better than the vast majority of ps2 dreamcast gamecube era games I'm coming back to you on that question after a particular dungeon in part two, like a million percent. There's one, there's one dungeon. I re- there's two dungeons I really don't like in this game. One of them is Moonstone Mountain, which is in the first half of the game. I hate Moonstone Mountain. It's long. It's got that stupid look underneath the grates and see where you're going to drop. And also because my brain forgets the x and circle difference in japanese media you have to remember to walk over the ones with the cross because that's all the ones with the circle because you have to do i can't remember what the riddle is it's like what's wrong is wrong or what's right is right or something like that um but yeah and then there's another dungeon in the second half of the game which i despise maybe it cannot possibly be as bad as most of the nocturne dungeons i promise Mm, (laughs) i don't know maybe not what do you what do you think wes Depends which one, which which nocturne Ooh. you're talking about. Oh, ah, okay. I do not know because I have not played Nocturne, so I cannot make that comparison. Um, but there's water involved in this dungeon, so despise is a strong word, but I don't enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I think Perrin's fine. Um, I think the fun, and you've had dashes of this as we're getting, like as we go, um, get to Perrin. But um, the fun part comes when you leave the dungeon. You have the moon crystal and. Lo and behold, you give the moon crystal to this dancer who turns out as one of the admirals of the Armada and she summons the Gigas, uh, Belletza, um, and I actually you... liked her. She's cool, yeah. I yeah. like Belletza. I think Belletza and one of the other admirals who you've seen, Gregorio, um, but you don't really get to interact with until slightly later. Um, I think they're my two favorite um, generals in the Armada. Um, they're certainly a little bit less tropey and a little bit less disgusting than the other ones, let's put it that way. Um, but there's, um, yeah, I really like her. I, I, there's things that I have problems with, but well, that'll be a next week thing as well. Um but yeah, um, so she summons the Gigas, and I guess now is a good time to talk about ship combat because ship combat is super fun, so unique to this game. Um, we've already had like a couple of fights up until this point, but like essentially, you get like there's no random encounters on ship combat, you've got like little smaller boats that travel the air, and you can go towards them and invite them, and all your characters get experience, or you get these big boss battles against the gigas which surprise we're going to be fighting most of them um and also the armada and some other big ships um which are fun but yeah what does everyone think of ship combat i love it um (laughs) i think it's great i mean like i i occasionally wish that like i didn't have to watch so many animations of the ships flying back and forth around each other 
um, while the ship combat's happening, but like it's it gets back to that same idea of some of the normal combat. Like it's about focusing. It's about resource management, maybe even more than normal fights are. The only, it's the only difference is that like you have like a super move that the game will tell you comes up on a certain turn. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that you have to think about how you're buffing yourself. I love that it's about like what's happening on different turns and you can see what they can do and you can see what you can do on different turns. And you know, like at this point, I feel like a lot of times like the super move just kind of ends the fight and it's kind of all about like, do you have enough spirit points to do super move? Um, and I think that's I, I wish it was a little more complicated than that. But I I, I, I struggled with like this one in particular, as, as you saw Lana, um, <laughs> of like answering questions because you have to answer questions halfway through and like that will determine what your next moves are. Um, and I think it's really fun. I don't think it's perfect, but I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, I I didn't do too great with that at first. <laughs> Once I got the hang of the ship combat, I really liked it. Mm, it takes a minute. Again, the game sort of explains it to you. I like the way the game explains it to you as well. Like, the way that it's like teaching Vice how to steer the ship and man the cannons and stuff like that. I think, like, Drachma just being like, look, what do you think we should do kind of thing? Or we need to go for it and things like that. Like, it can, it, like, captures their, like, um, impulse it captures Vice's impulsiveness and sometimes Drachma's like, no, you need to take a step back kind of thing, but yeah. I think it's it's maybe one of the more, if not the most interesting thing that the game does is introducing ship combat because it does definitely have its weaknesses. It feels like there's some guesswork sometimes. Those animations are interminable, but I can't think of many other series that like have a main component of gameplay that's not the normal like combat exploration uh, loop. And that piece feels completely integrated. Like some Suikoden games do it well, and that's yes. about it. Like maybe a little bit Xenogears with the gear battles. Oh yeah, yeah. But that's that's the closest analog I can think of. But I don't know. Like th- those Xenogears battles are so outside of the scope of what you really do in the rest of the game that I think this is much better. Yeah, <laughs> like not- like Satan is like broken in normal combat, but. His gear is terrible, for example. Heim, so, yeah. Heimdoller is terrible. You're correct. Um, <laughs> yeah, which sucks because Sitan's my favorite. Um, but yeah, I digress. Um, yeah, I, and, and as well with Xenogears, like on disc two, it is the only way you ever fight, really. So it's whereas like with Skies, it's always like, you know, main combat's this, but you can also do this, and also there will be certain fights like this. And I think it's cool as well because it's got its like own equipment system as well. Like you have to go to a different shop to buy like gear for your ship. Essentially, I think it's like grease for your engines, um, something to sh- polish your deck with, and something else, or like better decking and things like that. Like I think there's really creative things. You've got different types of cannons that use. You've got um, two inch, three inch bombs. And... Yeah, you've got bombs. You've got magic cannons, which you can't use magic until after you've beaten a. Let's are in the links. Um, and yeah, you got normal cannons and torpedoes and the harpoon cannon, which, yeah, as you say, Zach, like essentially every ship fight is like, okay, do I have enough to fire the Moonstone Cannon, which is the other name of the cannon that you get? Um, and how much damage does it do? And it does a lot of damage, which is the same same as the harpoon cannon. But um, I think in particular, like with the two gigas fights you do in the first half of the game, uh, which are uh, Rekumen, which is the red gigas, and uh, Grendel, the green gigas, 
it really does a good job of like showing how small your little fishing boat is <laughs> like this like tiny wooden ship can take down armada ships but like god beings nah although it can take like punches like is anyone like fascinated by like the punch that grendel does to like eat your ship across? like totally annihilates other ships and it, your ship takes it and it's just like fine <laughs> yeah you have a lot of hp for the ship you do yeah um and also you have like a lot of like heal like items again are pretty easy to come by like repair kits everywhere um and they're cheap like that's another thing like items are so cheap in this game as long as you're like picking up enough discoveries to get by you're probably never going to run out of items at any point at all um but yeah like the recumen fight in particular i think is really well done because it really you know you start shooting at it and your you know your immediate impulse is like oh my god, I'm not doing any damage. Is this an unwinnable fight? And then like, I certainly did that when I was a kid. I was like, do I have to lose this? And so I lost it and I was like, no, I've got to win it. How do I win it? Yeah, it does a really good job of just like, you've just got to get all the quest enough questions right to survive long enough, basically. Oh, I do love that you can actually retry the fights if you... Yes. <laughs> the yeah. first time I lost the ship battle, I was like, oh no. <laughs> and I was like, yes, thank God. <laughs> I think there is a save point right outside the temple, but I think I didn't use that at one point and I totally forgot. Yeah. I think I got annoyed and like just when I was a kid and like turned off the game and then was like, oh no, I've got to do like the worm fight again in the Pyrin and then go out and do that fight again. But yeah, I I think that Recumen is a really interesting fight. Beleza's fight is good as well. Like it can be hard because she does a lot of buffs. Like she like her gimmick is that she uses magic cannons. Really interesting side of combat, and I think you get the more tools you get the more fun it gets but it does get easier as you go along um but there's certainly some interesting fights um but yeah after after nasa you end up going to ixataka where you have to rescue some people the chief or the chief's like right hand man basically from moonstone mountain the prison i hate this dungeon i've already said that i just I just like don't like looking down the grates like I never bother with it and then it's one of those things where you like look for walkthroughs because I've played this game so many times I'm like I I'm not gonna put effort into it kind of thing like <laughs> I mean that in the nicest possible way and I'm like wait nothing's telling me where I need to look um so I actually have to pay attention which I think is a good idea but like one thing we haven't actually said um is um the controls are a little bit tank <laughs> they're a little bit tank controls and the camera is worse than i remember it like a lot worse than i remember it i mean like the c stick is helpful but it doesn't move as fast as i would like it to yeah i think that's the problem and i think like i swap between like the l and the r buttons on the gamecube controller but yeah it's annoying yeah sadly my uh my old wave bird is starting to die a little bit so no! <laughs> it made it even worse no yeah, i feel like those are like the most durable controllers too and the best controllers of all time for the record but yeah i've got to think i'm doing something wrong i can't blame the wave bird for this <laughs> I was say, yeah, my like i think my wave birds one of them has got to be at least when it came out like my get my gamecube is the same gamecube i bought when it came out or my parents bought when it came out i think my wave bird is pretty similar no, I can't let the wave bird die. I've got to fix that somehow from thousands of miles away. Wes, you can't tell me this information and not let me do something about it. I'm like <laughs> heartbroken. I love the wave bird. It's the best. Um, but 
yeah um not too much happens in moonstone mountain it's another encounter with um alfonso and um deloco um you get out <laughs> these two are kind of played for comedy and i think like i've never really liked either of them like alfonso's like the posh boy and deloco is the mad scientist but like it feels like a little bit heavy for me i don't know a lot of looney tune sound effects that is kind of funny actually i do i don't mind those um but yeah it is a bit much um especially because like you know deloco is literally burning down the forest and it's just like oh okay the armada are like hit and miss for me i like them generally i like the idea behind them again they'll we'll address some of this like next week but because we haven't really met all of them Belez is one of the better ones, Gregorio, and obviously the other one, Ramirez, yeah, who is like the sixth. He's cool, but he's definitely not Sephiroth, right? Like, I'm pretty sure they were trying to channel that energy there. I mean, like, he doesn't show up with a big sword who's too difficult to beat in a burning place. No, that doesn't happen. <laughs> no, that doesn't happen. No. Like the record, I, I think he's pretty cool. But He is very cool. He's <laughs> he's definitely the kind of villain I loved as a kid. I was just like, nice. Um, but yeah. Uh, so then you have to find... I think this is a really cool thing. So the game does a really good thing with um, discoveries narratively as well. Like, you discover Ixataka, like, the first time you fly there. Which I think is also... It's cool. But it's also kind of funny, because like, Valor are already in Ixataka, so how can you have discovered it? Like, there's a couple <laughs> of like weird situations like that. Like the um, you get like a discovery for something else later on, which I'll pick on next time. Um, but yeah, uh, you do that, and then like to find this the green crystal, you have to find these two discoveries which point towards the location of it, which I think is cool in practice. But it's a bit of a pain in the butt to find the place, even after you've got the two discoveries. It's good, though. I think it's interesting because it, like, plays into, like, I don't know. Like, we've already said this, like, stressed it. Like, the world feels just very, very adventurous, very involved and very, it's very it, 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 it like, makes you want to discover stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I don't always want to do that. But, yeah, I want to go, like, every inch of the map, basically. I think it does a good job of rewarding you for them as well. I mean, like the rewards aren't enormous because there's like what, like 88 discoveries in this game. Um, But they're good enough that like it rewards you for it. And it also, it feels good. Like I feel like in a lot of ways, like Xenoblade understood what was delightful about discovering things about this game. And it took it, you know, 10 years later and it picked up on it and it used it. Um, because I can't think of a game before Xenoblade besides Skies that like rewards you for finding things the way that mm-hmm. this game does. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have to interject. Wes, when you saw the Xenoblade 2 revealed trailer, did you think it was going to be Skies of Arcadia? I really wanted it to be. I saw the sky. I saw the... Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. What? <laughs> well, like, when, when they announced it, because it was like a teaser, wasn't it, with the clouds... Like, I remember watching, I was specifically on the train back from uni, and I looked at my phone, I was watching this trailer, and I was like, oh my god. I was like, is this a Skies remake? Oh, it's a Xenoblade game. Oh, that's cool. But also, it's not Skies kind of thing. Like, I was like... I'll take it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it was good. Um, But, yeah. <laughs> it was a, Yeah, I, I think there's a really interesting through line, which is why, like, if you're going to ask me, like, my two favourite world maps, and interestingly, I think... These are like the two main worlds I picked for, we did an RPG World Tour episode in 2017. Mm-hmm. And the two worlds I picked, other than, well, I picked a bonus world as well, which was the um, El Nido Archipelago from Chrono Cross. But um, it was Arcadia and it was the Bionis and the Conus because, yeah, it's just that idea of discovery and 
the rewards that you get from it. Like, there's nothing that makes me feel better than doing any of that, really. So, do you fill the map on this game too, Alana? That's the real question because there's no reward for it. <laughs> but I, I do, I do. <laughs> of course, I do. Um, of course, I do. And actually, like, I think it's funny that you can fill in the maps in every dungeon as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I do that as well. <laughs> I have to make this game interesting. There's another Steam achievement for you, Sega. Look, I'm just giving them to you at this point. Like, I'm going to have a little list. That'll just be my write-up at the end of this. It'll just be like a list of discover- like discoveries. You could call them discoveries. There you go. Um, so, yeah. Um, you go through the Lost City of Rixis, which, again, I think is... I think Rixis is cool, again. I think it's one of those fun dungeons. Um wasn't really what i was expecting and i like the fact that aika is very disappointed that not only is it not this city made of gold but it's also this haunted place and she's terrified of ghosts so it's like all of her worst things it's not what she wants but also it's like exactly what she doesn't want kind of thing um oh my god i realize i have not i can't believe i haven't talked about this how have i not talked about cupel yet you should be ashamed I I am ashamed. <laughs> but yeah, this so is a good cute. time. Oh, he is the best. Um, Cupel is adorable. He makes very cute noises. I do miss having the VMU because you can find little things called chams, which you feed him to level him up and he changes weapons, basically. Chams and abrupt chams. And there's like a whole weapon tree that you have to figure out. And he can turn into like a knife or a cone or a white, or a giant version of himself, or a frying pan. There's like a number of different things he turns into, and they all come with some brilliant sound effects, and he's the best, and he's just super adorable. And yeah, I miss I miss having him on my little VMU screen on my Dreamcast. It's the only, the only thing that I don't like about the GameCube version. <laughs> I have not experienced that. He's very cute. I mean, like, I wish that the character who used him was more useful in combat except for like it's like a punching bag that i have to make defend half the time in like mm. difficult battles um and you know fina who i think is a great character we haven't talked about her much but i think she's really interesting but yeah i mean like he's he's adorable he's adorable it's it's, it's brilliant like it's like i i totally know how they marketed this exactly i totally know how they marketed this in japan <laughs> yeah i i don't know if there is a plushie um certainly when i moved into my apartment um i got myself a key ring and it's uh a custom-made cupel um and you could get it in one of six colors um so i got a purple one because purple's my favorite and got a little cupel on my well he's not on there right now because he broke but but yeah um rixis is kind of cool um the boss at the end of rixis can be really hard if again you don't like there's a lot of challenge if you don't know what you're doing because like this boss can petrify you and like petrification is like you know everyone's petrified it's instant death but and put you to sleep that's the other thing and it'll just like beat you to death and this is not one of the, like the type the kind of attack it does i don't think wakes you up if i remember rightly i got lucky because or i mean i haven't redone this bit yet because obviously i've just watched it and yeah it used to decimate me but now i'm just like oh i'll just just pirates wrath it or something like that depending on if i've got any moonberries um gotta use the moonberries gotta use those moonberries and you get enough through the game anyway normally but like they do drop not i don't want to say semi-frequently they're a rare drop but 
if you haven't got my RNG, they're probably a pretty normal drop rate. So, you know, I think most people are probably luckier in video game drop rates than I am. Um, but after Ixitaka and you've been to Drachma, or you've, uh, you've got Drachma still, um, you fight another black pirate. So you, we'll touch on Baltor again next episode because um, we fought him earlier. The black pirates are not really much of a presence in this game, apart from being like the polar opposites of the blue rogues. Like the black pirates are exactly what you think they are. You know, think of, I mean, Baltor's ship is literally called the Blackbeard. <laughs> um, so um you, know, you fight another one called gordo who is just a black pirate who wants to like steal fish off your food off your ship and stuff like that but then you get to valor which is you think things are going to go normally and then you try and get into the yellow crystal and then ragnum turns up and then you get this like you get drachma's backstory um i think i will focus more on character stories a little bit more next week um and then your party gets split up um Ica and Fina end up together. They end up on, uh, oh my god, uh, Claudia's, um, not Claudia, Clara's ship, uh, which is, she's another blue rogue. Um, she likes pink a lot. Um, and you end up going to NASA. How can you tell? I know, right? She's definitely <laughs> like this, god, they really want to like make nail down the fact that she's in love with like Gilda. Like, don't know. It's like, ugh. and then Gilda himself is a bit of a sleaze. <laughs> she likes pink and she likes Gilda. She, yep. It's uh, definitely, definitely her personality. Um, <laughs> so they get taken to NASA and you have to spend time making money to get a ship to try and meet up with Vice with Ica and Fina. And then Vice ends up on an abandoned island. Shall we talk about the abandoned island? Shall we? And this is the, the gathering of wood. It, it is indeed the gathering of wood, Audra. Uh, <laughs> not good. It's not good at all. I, I, like, I actually don't have a problem with the idea of it, but uh, I'm colorblind. And I know my colleague here, Wes, they are also colorblind. Yes. Um, and uh, the gathering of wood is basically impossible um except for just like randomly hitting a's because like you can't see the difference like because basically the idea is that like a as we were talking about like you have to like find the wood to build a ship and you are dropped into an area that mostly is like a forest you have some caves but then you have to find five pieces of wood in the middle of a green and brown which two colors that sometimes as a colorblind person i have a great deal of difficulty distinguishing um <laughs> but I think it's probably a pain no matter what. Like, like, mm -hmm. the, like the I, I would look look at it and I could see that it was picked up, but like, there's no way I could have identified it otherwise. And like, you have to fight to get food earlier, and like the like whether you get that's like the one time that I want the encounter rate to be higher. <laughs> um, yeah. it, like, like the Dreamcast encounter rate was probably excellent on that front, but I, I did not enjoy the section. I appreciated what they're trying to do, like slow us down a little bit, get us to really think about it. And uh, yeah, uh, it was uh, not great. I want to know if Wes feels similarly. Oh yeah, I ended up looking up a Let's Play to find where all the wood is, and it still wasn't 100% accurate, but spent a lot of time running around pressing A, hoping for things to happen. <laughs> there is payoff with it, I promise, down the line, which, I mean, I don't know how much further you are, um, Zach, um, but it's not the last you'll be seeing of that island um yeah <laughs> um but yeah definitely not in that capacity uh it is a pain in the backside um as you alluded to like 
even though I can't see the wood, it's literally the same colour as the floor, almost. And, like, the way that it piles up, it just kind of looks like a little bit of a mound. And it's like, I've walked around enough areas in Skies by this point. I've been playing it for, like, 15, 20 hours. I know what things look like. Do I, though, really? That's what the Abandoned Island is trying to teach me, I think, every time. Um, moonstones are easy to get. I agree on the encounter rate. I wish it was higher for the Garper fish. Um, but yeah it is a pain in the backside and again yeah i agree i get what it's trying to do but also just like yeah, it's another like it's it's trying to be video gamey in a way to try and tell a tell a thing and it's just probably not that effective but it's okay because vice gets rescued by a very cool looking ship i think and the best parrot in all video games i mean low bar but yes <laughs> i mean okay I mean, that's can you give point. me some other parrots that are excellent in video games? There's a parrot in Ease A, I believe. Okay. Uh, he's okay. <laughs> oh, there's a clockwork parrot in. I can't oh, yeah. even pronounce the name now. I'm Juan afraid. Yan. To... Yes. Juan Yan. They're pretty Juan cool. Yan. Yeah. I probably mispronounced that myself. Um, but yes, I yeah, I remember reading that now. There you go. Clockwork parrot is probably better. Um, Kenny Picklocks. <laughs> I think I just blindsided with that question. I was just like, oh. um, he can he he's a good distraction. Okay, that's probably good enough. Yeah, Willie can definitely pick locks, and he's got goggles, and yeah, he's just cool. I love Willie a lot. Um, <laughs> um, Gilda, Gilda as a kid, I used to love, and I still like him. I think he's very cool. So he's like the captain of the Claudia, which is a very again a very cool looking ship. Um, but <laughs> Gilda likes a. Uh, Booze and women. <laughs> hmm. uh, a bit too much. I mean, he's very much a trope, but he's entertaining. Oh, he is entertaining. Uh, he's great. And he has he might have my favorite super move, actually. I, I really like Gunslinger. It's just stupidly stylish with like the intro music and the stupid phrases and the, this game does like battle quotes really well. I really like battle call outs it's definitely a 2000s rpg or a 90s rpg that's in the heart with those um but yeah <sighs> well <laughs> i think i'm gonna end it there for part one because i think it gives us a lot to talk about next week i know i've darted around a lot and talked a lot and i'm very sorry um i still love this game and i'm gonna we're gonna keep going um but does anyone like I suppose anyone have any expectations for part two? I suppose Zach or Order so far? I mean, I'm looking forward to more exploration. Um, I feel like they've been like giving us more things to explore with, and I think that it's my favorite part of the game. Um, and I am excited about that. Me too. I think I'm really looking forward to seeing where it'll take me next and what happens to everyone too. <laughs> Oh yeah, definitely. Um, Wes, is there anything in particular that you really like in the second half of the game that you're excited to hear? I'm trying to decide how spoil spoilery it is, but you get to make s some customization options in the back half that make me very happy. and <laughs> I'm excited for. No, definitely. There's some bits in there, like one of my favorite boss fights in any video game ever is in the second half of the game. It's just very cool. So I am very excited to hear about that. Um, but yeah, I think that will about do it for us this week. Uh, next week, we're going to carry on with more Skies of Arcadia. We'll have a bit of a bumper session on it. I think we've got the whole second half of the game. We haven't touched the side quests. 
we haven't really touched too much of the story or the characters so we're going to dive into a bit more of Fina more of Ica, um, a little bit more of Gilda and probably Enrique and we'll go into Dragon we'll talk about everyone it's fine and we'll get down to the bottom of things really there's some very cool moments in the second half of the game that I'm really excited to talk about so yeah I think that this game is great and I think it just it, it does everything that I love I love infinitely about it and then there's like problems that I'm just like very underneath all of the stuff that I love and so it's more consistently good in the second half I think personally um so I'm really excited to talk about that um but retro has also got a couple more episodes coming up in february we're going to be looking at knights of the old republic uh which is the classic bioware rpg um that really kind of put their name on the map so i'm excited to hear about that but otherwise a lot of stuff is up in the air at the moment we've just had an episode on non-rpgs which i was on the very first version of that a couple of years ago um so i'm excited to go back and listen to this one that came out last week um but yeah come back for more skies next week we're really excited to talk about it and we made it happen um so i'll just keep keep riding that high for the next couple of days um but if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, you can do by emailing us at retrorpgfan.com. You can come and visit us on, on Facebook or Instagram. You can see our Twitter page, Discord, or YouTube. And we're on Twitch as well, where we stream basically every single day. Uh, as I've mentioned, we've got two other podcasts. I've mentioned Random Encounter, which is hosted by John O'Logan, who will also be on those Knights of the Old Republic episodes. Uh, it talks about random topics, current events. Um, Wes and I were on the most recent episode talking about the games of the year from 2021. So go, give, go and give that one a listen. Um, we also have Rhythm Encounter, which is the RPG fan music podcast that launches every other week. Um, with random encounters so random encounters one monday rhythms the next monday and so on and so forth um last episode for that i was also on for um smash bros music um so everyone's going to be getting sick and tired of listening to me um on podcasts at the moment oh uh, never <laughs> um and then phoenix edge who i think are on a bit of a break at the moment but their podcast is on youtube and you can go and listen to those episodes whenever you want um but please leave us feedback on apple Podcasts, google play spotify whatever you use to listen to us we want to hear from you we love feedback and really where if you want to talk to any of us directly where can you do that starting with you wes uh you can find me uh, on twitter at wes Iliff. that's where pretty much everything goes perfect and order what about you audra b at rpgfan.com and zach uh, you can email me at ZachW at RPGFan.com or you can find me on Discord at ZachW. And if you want to reach me, you can find me on Twitter at Alana Hagues or you can find me on the RPG Fan Discord as Alana. Um, but next week you can find me on this podcast again or if you're listening to them back to back, you can listen to me in a couple of minutes, I suppose, if you really want to do that. But if anyone's playing along, I really want to hear your thoughts about the game because obviously I adore this game and I want to hear criticisms everything about it because i'm always excited to learn more things about this game and how people feel about it so please reach out to us but in the meantime stay tuned for part two and we'll see you on the next episode and until then good night and good luck mm -hmm.